The fundamental power of connecting is that it's allowing you as a businessman to solve problems for the men and women who have the problems that you solve best. Capitalism is the most moral system ever because it allows you, nay, incentivizes you as a businesswoman to solve problems for people and incentivizes them to only do business with those that solve their problems well. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and this is Thought Leader Nugget number 48. And boy, is it a good one. This is an excerpt from my new book, The Power of Connecting, How to Activate Profitable Relationships by Serving Your Networks, which I co-wrote with Kai Bjorn, the head of BNI Canada, and it's from Chapter 3, Why People Need Connections. So let's face it. People are feeling more lonely than ever now. The lack of human contact during the so-called pandemic and the very real lockdowns led a lot of people to feel alienated and isolated, especially those who live alone. But even those who don't live alone have felt disconnected and isolated. Why? Because we're human beings and we're social beings. There's no getting around that. The fact that we've been under or were under virtual house arrest and unable to go out to parks, restaurants, and bars had a terrible impact on a lot of people. Mental health was rough. You know, that's why even early on, after just six or seven weeks of lockdown, there were demonstrations and protests breaking out all across the free world from places like Michigan, California, from Ontario to British Columbia, and from London to Paris. And lately, the Freedom Convoy started by the Canadian truckers in British Columbia and Alberta that ended up in Ottawa. And the the People's Convoy in the United States starting in California and ending up in Washington, D.C. And more trucker convoys all around the world have been a demonstration that we need our fellow human beings and we need to be connected with them. Throughout much of history... We needed each other just to survive. Think about that. Our ancestors needed to band together to defeat the saber-toothed tiger, to hunt for food, and to build farms that helped them feed their tribe. But in the information age, we bought into this illusion, this lie, that maybe we didn't need people anymore. After all, we could order food, drink, or virtually anything else at the click of a button. That made us think that people didn't matter so much. So we stopped caring about being connected. Social media made it easy to connect to somebody digitally without the need to meet or even talk to them, and we bought into the lie that that was enough. Well, the COVID-19 virus and the government response to it changed all of that. In one fell swoop, people were forced to shelter in place through sweeping government lockdowns 
and staying at home and alone, though perhaps necessary at first, and even that's debatable, brought people face-to-face with the very real and visceral human need to be connected to others. Suddenly, it wasn't enough just to be connected to your friends and loved ones through Facebook and Instagram. We need trusting and supportive relationships. Fundamentally, people started to realize that despite all the technological marvels at our disposal, being emotionally connected remains the core part of being human. We need each other. Maybe not in the ways that characterized us in our earlier evolutionary development, but nonetheless in a way that remains essential for our psychological well-being and even survival. This understanding is more visceral than cerebral or intellectual. It remains incomplete for most of us, which is why we decided to write this book. As a modern post-industrial society, we have forgotten why people in relationships are totally important. We're starting to get a glimmer of why they matter. Thanks to the virus and the lockdowns. But that glimmer needs to turn into a spark and then into a roaring fire, a fire that radiates the power of connecting to our fellow man and woman and warms the body spiritual. We need each other and we need to engage with each other now more than ever. Studies show that people with strong connections and relationships actually live longer than those who feel isolated and alone. And they have a greater health and a better quality of life. And frankly, if you're reading this book because you're a businessman or businesswoman, then you need to know that being connected to your fellow man and woman is critical for you to be able to grow your business and increase your profits. We are proud capitalists here, and we make no apology for putting the profit motive at the center of our work and the center of our message for you in this book. Capitalism is the most noble system of commerce and economics ever created because it's based on voluntary exchange and not coercion. It grants men and women the freedom to choose their path and the people and products they choose to buy and sell with. The fundamental power of connecting is that it's allowing you as a businessman to solve problems for the men and women who have the problems that you solve best. Capitalism is the most moral system ever because it allows you, nay incentivizes you as a businesswoman to solve problems for people and incentivizes them to only do business with those that solve their problems well. The power of connecting is important for you to understand and embrace as a human being and as a business owner. Free market Austrian school economics demands of you to become a better human being, more caring and more connected with your customers and their well-being, and more committed to solving their problems. That only becomes possible if and when you fully embrace the power of connecting and make it your mission to connect more deeply with the people you already know and to create more new connections with those you don't know yet. If you embrace this and go all in, then you will be more fulfilled as a human being, you'll be physically and emotionally healthier, and you will grow your business and your income. If you reject it, you will likely die before your time, live a less healthy and fulfilled life, and your business will never grow to its full potential. According to a study done by House, Landis, and Umberson in the July 29, 1988 edition of the journal Science, 
Studies on both humans and animals show that social isolation is a major risk factor in mortality, or in other words, being socially isolated can kill you. In fact, a lack of human connection can be more harmful to your health than obesity, smoking, and high blood pressure. That's crazy, but it's also sobering. An article on the Canadian Mental Health Association website, www.cmha.ca, states that, quote, Connecting with others is more important than you might think. Social connection can lower anxiety and depression, help us regulate our emotions, lead to higher self-esteem and empathy, and actually improve our immune systems. By neglecting our need to connect, we put our health at risk. Couldn't agree more. Wi-Fi and social media aren't enough to fulfill our social needs. We need face-to-face interaction to thrive. Technology should be enhancing our connection to others, not replacing it. You and I need to come to grips with this and to accept and encourage the impulse to connect in ourselves and in others. It's the prime directive for all human beings to follow. During the lockdowns, you might have felt isolated and alone. You definitely weren't the only one. The truth is that all 7.4 billion of us need human connection. But what is human connection, really? According to journalist Donna Piscano-Brown, human connection is an energy exchange between people who are paying attention to one another. It has the power to deepen the moment, inspire change, and build trust. That's a powerful and beautiful definition. We all want to feel like we're being paid attention to and that we and our wants and needs matter. Dr. Emma Sapala of the Stanford Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education, author of the 2016 book, The Happiness Track, writes that people who feel more connected to others have lower levels of anxiety and depression. Moreover, studies show they also have higher self-esteem, greater empathy for others, and are more trusting and cooperative, and as a consequence, others are more open to trusting and cooperating with them. Think about this. Being connected to others makes you happier, lowers your anxiety, and makes it easier for you to bounce back from life's trials and tribulations. Life just flows better when you have deep human connections and interactions. It makes it easier for you to create trusting and cooperative relationships. And as a business person, nothing could be more important in your quest to make your business relevant and have it grow and thrive. New York Times best-selling author and University of Houston graduate College of Social Work professor Dr. Brene Brown, who specializes in social connection, said in an interview that a deep sense of love and belonging is an irresistible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love and to be loved and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as well as we were meant to. And she's right. We engage in what I, in my work as a thought leader in the area of human connections, call shallow thinking. We create problems for ourselves in our lives and in our businesses. What's shallow thinking? That's when we don't go deep in our thinking. For example, when we engage in shallow thinking, we may think that we want money, power, fame, beauty, eternal youth, or a new Tesla. But when we engage in what I call deep thinking, we realize that at the root of all these desires, is a more primal and visceral need to belong, to be accepted, to connect with others, and to be loved. In his book, Resilience, 
former Navy SEAL and former governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens, exchanges letters with a former comrade, Zach Walker, who was suffering from PTSD and feeling lost. While in the SEALs, he had a sense of purpose and a brotherhood of fellow warriors that he was deeply connected and committed to. When he came back to civilian life, all of that vanished. Greitens' letters to Walker are powerful because they reestablish a deep human connection between these former comrades and because they bring Walker back from isolation. This connection helped Walker become resilient and to bounce back from the depression induced by his self-isolation. Resilience is the ability to bounce back from adverse situations, and it is strengthened when you give and receive support. Greitens and Walker engage in an exercise of building resilience through the exchange of these deep and powerful letters. They had built a positive relationship with one another while they were in the SEALs, and that helped make them both very resilient. You and I can do this by connecting with people who have a positive outlook, who will tell us the truth, and have our backs. These people can help us find the humor in life and make us laugh at its absurdities. The stronger and deeper your relationships are, the more resilient you can be, and the better you'll be able to face life's many challenges. Social isolation is a real thing. What exactly is it? It's a state of complete or near-complete lack of contact between an individual and society. During the pandemic lockdowns, this problem was magnified by stay-at-home and shelter-in-place orders around the globe. There was a spike in the number of suicides during this time, especially amongst those who lived alone. Many people lost their jobs and their businesses and didn't have a support system to help them cope because of social isolation. Dr. Steve Cole of UCLA says that social isolation is far and away the strongest social risk factor out there. Feeling lonely and being socially isolated takes a steep toll on the well-being of nearly every system in the human body. There are many studies that show people who are chronically lonely have significantly more heart disease, are more vulnerable to metastatic cancer, have an increased risk of stroke, and are more likely to develop neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's. This, combined with the COVID-19 virus, was devastating to many older patients in nursing homes who were prevented from seeing their families and loved ones during an especially stressful time. Their immune systems, which in many cases were already compromised, became further weakened and their ability to fight off the comorbidities they were dealing with, that's a fancy way of saying their multiple conditions, was further degraded. In normal times, elderly people who are lonely die at twice the rate as those who are socially connected. Adults who are lonely have a 25% greater incidence of dying prematurely than those with strong social connections. The pandemic magnified all these numbers and makes the importance of being connected stand out in stark relief. The spike in loneliness across the globe is even more alarming. Researchers estimate that in North America alone, some 100 million people, a quarter of the population, suffer from the pain of loneliness. The numbers in Europe and East Asia are comparable. Globally, these numbers approach 700 million people. Think about that for a second. That's a staggering number. And with a rapidly aging population of elderly people, all of whom face a dramatically shrinking social network, the rising tide of loneliness and isolation has all the hallmarks of a widespread and costly epidemic far more dangerous than the COVID-19 virus ever was or could be. 
You think about this, the number of people that have committed suicide, the number of people that have experienced massive depression as a result of the lockdowns and the virus far outweigh the number of people that died or hospitalized by this. Frankly, the lockdowns were a costly and bitter failure. And it's horrible that the governments refuse to see this and refuse to see that they messed up. Thankfully, there are government leaders like Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida who see this and have spoken out against it. DeSantis just convened a roundtable of the medical community in Florida, and they officially recommended that healthy children don't get vaccinated. They are against further lockdowns and for more connection. And that's what we all need. Thank God for leaders like Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Now, if you doubt what I'm saying, just think of how much it stung you whenever you've been rejected. A study done by Dr. Ethan Cross of the University of Michigan indicated the same centers of the brain activated during social rejection as during physical pain. Think of yourself as a young adolescent feeling the stirrings of attraction to someone else, plucking up the courage to reveal your feelings to that person and having them reject you. I remember that feeling all too well. (laughs) I'd almost rather get punched in the face than face that type of rejection again back then. Another study by Dr. Shelley Taylor at UCLA indicates that stress from conflict in relationships leads to increased inflammation levels in your body. Your body physically hurts when you have relationship conflict. Now, what does this mean? We experience social connection as positive and rejection and loneliness as negative, both physically and psychologically. (laughs) Dr. Matthew Lieberman of UCLA says that social connection is so important that when we feel rejected or experience some other social pain, our brains hurt in the same way as when we feel physical pain. Social and physical pain are more similar than we imagine. We don't expect anyone with a broken leg to just get over it. Yet when it comes to the pain of social loss, this is a common and mistaken response. The bottom line is that we need to take social pain just as seriously as we do physical pain, and that the best and only way to lessen its impact is to develop many strong social connections and deepen them over time. In other words, to activate the power of connecting. The problem is that despite the clear benefits of social connectedness for our heart and our survival, the level at which people are socially connected has been dropping at an alarming rate even before the COVID virus. A groundbreaking study published in the Journal of Psychology Today on June 1st, 2006 called Social Isolation in America Changes in Core Discussion Networks Over Two Decades by Drs. Miller McPherson, Lynn Smith-Lovin, and Matthew E. Brashears made a startling discovery. In 1985, Americans said that they had an average of three close confidants, people with whom they feel comfortable sharing a personal problem. By 2004, that number had dropped to one, to one, with 25% of Americans saying that they have no one to confide in. That means that one in four people have no one they can call a close friend. 7.2% of people in Europe never meet with friends and family, not even once a year. In the UK, one in 10 people over the age of 65 have no social interactions with anyone on a day-to-day basis. A recent European study found that social isolation increases the risk of heart disease by 29% and stroke by 32%. 
And those numbers are all pre-COVID, which makes them all the more serious and sobering because COVID and the lockdowns amplified and exacerbated the problem. In their groundbreaking 2014 study, Loneliness and Mortality Among Older Adults in China, Ye Lu and Linda Waite found that 28% of older Chinese adults reported feeling lonely. This was nearly double the number that reported this just 11 years before in 2003. The impact of this on health and mortality is huge. In Japan, Half a million young people live as modern-day hermits. They are known as hikikomori, recluses who withdraw from all social contact and often don't leave their houses for years at a time. Think about it. Years. Not leaving your house. That's nuts. A government survey found that roughly 541,000 people, 1.5% of the population, are hikikomori, but many experts believe the total is much, much larger. A major factor is the role of technology such as the internet, social media, and video games. It's estimated that 30% of hikikomori are prolific internet and video game users. I think that number is low. I think it's more like 70%. At first, researchers thought this phenomenon was unique to Japan. But in recent years, cases of it have become prevalent worldwide. In neighboring South Korea, a 2005 study estimated there were over 33,000 socially withdrawn adolescents. That's 0.3% of the population. And in Hong Kong, a 2014 survey pegged this figure at 1.9%. It's not just in Asia. There are cases of this appearing in the U.S., in Europe, and in the Middle East. In South Korea, if someone stays isolated for at least three months, they are called and Oi Toli, I hope I pronounced that correctly. A 2013 study of the Oi Toli found that one in 10 were addicted to their devices, the internet and associated tech, and more than 50% were at high risk of such an addiction. Think about this, that's crazy. Hikikomori and Oi Toli, these are people that are just being devastated by isolation. And in more and more countries, the government is taking this issue very seriously. The UK appointed its first minister for loneliness. Oh my God. And its Office of National Statistics has found that nearly 10% of 16 to 24 year old, 24 year olds, excuse me, reported feeling often or always lonely. I'm flabbergasted and saddened that a position such as the Minister for Loneliness is deemed necessary. Think about this. People old and young are feeling disconnected and lonely at an unprecedented rate. What this shows us is that feeling alone and disconnected is now a global phenomenon with far-reaching implications. This decline in social connectedness is the leading cause of the spike in loneliness, isolation, and alienation. People who are not socially connected are more vulnerable to anxiety, depression, antisocial behavior, and even suicidal tendencies, which tend to further increase their isolation. It makes us wonder if the death rate from the global pandemic was accelerated by the fact that people were not allowed to be with their loved ones while they were infected with the virus. Now, if you're a solopreneur who primarily works from home and you don't have much social interaction and connectedness, the health risks to you from this relative isolation 
are greater than the risk from alcohol, smoking, and obesity. And if you're serious about combating this risk, you need to eat your veggies and exercise, but you also need to make sure to connect to people every single day. The risk to your business of a lack of social interaction and connectedness is almost existential. You cannot have a growing and thriving business without it. In fact, your dreams will die and wither on the vine if you are not constantly and consistently working your network and connecting with people in a meaningful way about what matters to them, what problems they're currently struggling with, and how you and your offerings can solve those problems. Business at its core is about solving problems for other people, and the best way to do that is to first connect with them and get to know them on what problems they have and want to solve. Your network is the source of many fantastic connections that would benefit you and your business. Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, once said that the average person has 200 people in their network. Each one of those people has another 200 people in their network. That means that you have access to 40,000 people just through your direct contacts. Of these 40,000 people, I conservatively estimate that 500 to 1,000 are perfect clients for you and your business. That means that what you do solves a problem that they have and badly want solved and that they have the temperament and personal qualities that you value and that you would enjoy working with. If the average value of your offerings is $1,000, that means that there is $500,000 to $1 million in business that you're not yet accessing. If the average value of your offerings is $10,000, that means there's $5 million to $10 million in business that you're not yet accessing. In either case, that's a lot of money that you could generate for your business but don't yet have. From a strictly business point of view, you need connections to grow your business and increase your fortune. One of the most powerful examples of the power of connecting and why we need connections in life and business is the story of late-night comic Jimmy Fallon. In less than five years, Fallon went from a failed wannabe movie star Saturday Night Live alumnus to becoming the undisputed king of late-night TV, the host of NBC's legendary The Tonight Show, one of the most storied franchises in TV history, made famous by the late, great Johnny Carson in his 27-year reign as the king of late night. It was no accident. Fallon's rapid rise is in no small measure due to his relentless focus on navigating his network and through them connecting with and developing strong relationships with the right people who could help him advance his career. Fallon has had a reputation of being a nice guy who genuinely likes and cares about people. He's no Imelda Marcos or Niccolo Machiavelli. He's gone out of his way to be valuable and helpful to the people in his life. What made him different from many other talented comics and talk show hosts was that he was very intent on building connections with major influencers who could forward his career. The man was a master connector. It all began when he was still a computer science major at Albany's College of St. Rose. He dutifully did his studies but his real passion was comedy and he performed it at small clubs in the area and became obsessed with learning the ins and outs of the comedy industry. While a student, Fallon had interned at a New York paper and built a great relationship with his boss there, Peter Iselin. Iselin took a shine to him and passed on his audition tape to one of his new colleagues in Los Angeles, entertainment agent Randy Siegel. Even though Siegel was only 26, she was a hustler and soon became a mover and shaker in the industry when she managed to make her way into the SNL crowd with clients like David Spade and Adam Sandler. Siegel, like so many others, couldn't help but like the young Jimmy Fallon. She found his performance to be charming, yet amateurish. But even then, she could see that he had real talent. Never one to sit back, she gave him a call and introduced herself. 
She was very and pleasantly surprised to hear him say, Randy Siegel, I know who you are. She was impressed by his genuineness, his enthusiasm, his real interest in her as a person, and his knowledge of the comedy industry. So she agreed to take him on as a client. Fallon was so committed to joining SNL that he dropped out of school one semester shy of graduating. That was akin to the Greeks burning their boats after they landed on the shores of Troy. Like Agamemnon, he threw away his plan B and focused on making his plan A come alive. In my famous book, Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion, I outline how all champion performers in life commit to their vision and their dream like this by shutting off all alternatives to victory. There is no plan B. There is only victory or defeat. And that's why most champion performers win, because they don't give themselves any alternative to victory. Siegel's connections enabled Fallon to get not one, but two SNL auditions. He bombed the first one, but nailed the second one and was hired as a cast member in 1998. That was the first link in the connection chain that made Jimmy Fallon a huge star. This was a prime example of the power of connecting in action. But it was at SNL where Fallon developed the relationship that would make his career skyrocket. Lorne Michaels, the creator of SNL, is a legend in the entertainment industry and is one of the most powerful and respected people in it. His very presence can intimidate SNL cast members, and rookie Jimmy Fallon was no exception. But Fallon, being a master practitioner of the power of connecting, wanted to let Michaels know how much being part of the show meant to him. He developed a strong relationship with SNL producer Marcy Klein, who took a liking to him and guided him in how to deepen his relationship with Michaels. In an interview with Men's Journal, Fallon recounted that Marcy gave me a bit of advice. After every show, go over to Lorne and thank him for the show. And I did. I thanked him after every single show. What a simple but powerful thing to do. Every human being wants and needs to be acknowledged for who they are and what they consider to be their life's work, mission, or purpose. That's true of me. That's true of you. That's true of everybody. And after a few weeks of doing this, Michaels took a shine to Fallon and invited him to sit down and have a drink with him and a bunch of his celebrity friends. Within a few seasons, Fallon became a trusted member of Michaels' inner circle, regularly joining him after every episode to go over and debrief the night's performance. There's some kind of very strong connection. I can't really describe it beyond that, but it's always been there, Michaels told Men's Journal. Well, I can describe it even if Michaels can't. Fallon took the time to systematically work his network and connect deeply with key members within it by showing them what he really cared about them and acknowledging the fire of greatness within each of them to the point where they felt seen and heard by him. And quite naturally, they all reciprocated his liking of them, including the heretofore intimidating Lorne Michaels. People like people who like them. Duh. Fallon left SNL in 2004 to pursue a movie career, but after a few high-profile flops, he felt stuck. That's when the power of connecting kicked in to save his career. His relationship with Michaels proved pivotal to him leaping off the plateau he was on upward into the firmament of late comedy success. When Conan O'Brien left NBC's late night, Michaels lobbied NBC on his protege's behalf and convinced Fallon to take O'Brien's vacated seat in 2009. Fallon was a success in his new role, but he wasn't done climbing the ladder of success yet, and the power of connecting propelled him even further right to the top of the late night comedy heap. Conan O'Brien's stint as the host of The Tonight Show ended up being very short, and the legendary Jay Leno returned for a second turn as host. 
Michaels decided that his trusted friend Fallon should take over the fabled show as host when Leno stepped down again. To no one's surprise, Fallon kept honing and using his connecting skills. He made a point of connecting with Leno while he was host of Late Night and would call him to ask him for advice. In his interview with Men's Journal, Leno said the conversations he had with Fallon gave him an insight into the secret of Fallon's meteoric rise in such a relatively short time. Most people in show business think they know everything. They don't really listen to the other person. They just wait for the other person to stop talking. Respectful is the best word I can use for Jimmy, said Leno. Fallon gets along with everyone. He praises his late-night competitors, Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel. He did a really funny sketch on The Tonight Show with Donald Trump while he was running for president, and he overturned Johnny Carson's decades-old Tonight Show ban of the late Joan Rivers due to a perceived betrayal. Fallon has risen to the top of the heap based partly on talent, but even more so because he understood the importance of building strong connections with the right people to help him be successful. It's incredible to me how Fallon was able to inspire the right people to take an interest in helping him at critical moments in his career. He's a nice guy who gets along with everyone, and that's helped him go from a failed movie career to a successful one as a late-night comedy host. Every one of us can learn from Fallon's example. We all know people, and we all can be a resource for each other if we just take the time to get to know the people in our network and who they really are. The biggest barrier to our success in business and in life is we haven't taken the time to really understand who each of our connections is and what really matters to them. Everybody in your network has their own network. Engage with them. Let them see that you care and are interested in them and what they want. And just like Jimmy Fallon, your career and your business can take off like a rocket. So that is chapter three from my amazing new book, The Power of Connecting. To pick up a copy, go to Amazon. Look up The Power of Connecting, how to activate profitable relationships by serving your network. And if you got any questions, comments, feedback, send us an email at info at eCircle.ca. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with somebody who could benefit from hearing its message. God bless you. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about The Power of Connecting, go to Amazon. Find out more about all the other books I've written. Also go to Amazon. Look up Nikki Baloo. Check out the books and use them to your benefit. Use them to help you be more successful in business. $20 investment is a small amount of money to pay to help generate tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's what the ideas in these books can do for you. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Stay free. Stay expressive. Stay committed to capitalism and free enterprise. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. 